Yes, hello there and welcome to Join Up Darts. This is an archive show, which means that I'm not here at the moment, but it's, it's all pre-recorded. But it does give you just a glimpse of what's been happening on the iTunes number one business entrepreneur show since we launched. Now, this show is different and you'll hear laughter, tears, shocking stories, real life turmoil, and of course, the kind of success blueprint that will change your life forever. If you want the dream life, then all the answers are here. Now, these are the old episodes, so to get right up to date listening to the latest stuff, then simply search Join Up Dots, click subscribe, and never miss an episode again. And of course, over at joinupdots.com, you can get instant access to our free 12-day podcasting course or loads of amazing free downloads to kickstart your own entrepreneurial journey, all made by my own fair hand. So let's get on with the show. You've got a lot of catching up to do after all. Enjoy. When we're young, we have an amazing, positive outlook about how great life is going to be. But somewhere along the line, we forget to dream and end up settling. Join Up Dots features amazing people who refuse to give up and chose to go after their dreams. This is your blueprint for greatness. So here's your host, live from the back of his garden in the UK, David Ralph. Yes, hello there. How are we all? How are we all? I am having a rocking and a rolling time today because it's still sunny. It's the 27th of July. We're having an amazing summer and um, everything is good in Join Up Dots World. And why can't it be even better? Because it is going to get better because we've got a, a guest who is someone who is perfect for Join Up Dots. I was speaking to her just before we started recording and I said, really, you would have been my target audience maybe 10, 15 years ago. So let's find out why. She's someone who quite readily admits that she spent over a decade stuck in the wrong career. But on a show like Join Up Dots, we confirm time and time again that although it may seem like wasted time, no experience is truly wasted. After a life-threatening experience, she left her corporate litigator and mediator role and began a quest to study all ways to live a thriving, happy life. It started as a personal task but ended up as a personal mission and a career. As the founder of and teacher at the Life Alchemy School, a career and life coach, angel intuitive, author, speaker, teacher, feng shui expert and reiki master, she now works with clients and students all over the world to help them take a holistic approach to uncovering their dreams, pursuing their passions, and finding true balance. As I say, perfect for Join Up Dot. The question is, though, with three kids, how does she pack that all into her day? And why did it take an illness to finally make her leave the job that was not what she wanted to do? And has she found the true path to happiness that we are all seeking? Well, let's find out as we bring onto the show to start Joining Up Dots, the one and only Monique Harm. How are you, Monique? I'm great, David. Thank you so much for having me on. It's absolute delight. I like nothing more than a few American ladies in my life. And um, I, I seem <laughs> to be spending a lot of time with the Americans at the moment. I, I don't know why. Are you all big into sort of podcast and self-help and development kind of things? I don't know. Maybe we are. <laughs> Well, it certainly seems to be the case. So um, it's, it's absolutely lovely to have you on. So can I just spend a little bit of time sort of getting to know you so personally? So you've got three kids. You yes. live in California. I live in Los Angeles. Okay. And is it the sort of the hub of Los Angeles for our sort of guests who haven't been to LA? Um, is it the sort of the, the Hollywood sign and sort of um, Beverly Hills and all that kind of area? Or is it the suburbs that you live in? I can see the Hollywood sign from my house. That, so that is and, a selling I'm point. I'm in the thick of it. <laughs> yeah. So, so do you actually look up there and, and go, that is iconic and I can see it from my, my bedroom? Or is it something that now you've seen it so many times, it sort of blurs into one? No. You know what? I still get a thrill every time I see it. And I, that just, it's so cool to be able to just look out the window and see the Hollywood sign. I love it. Did you ever go up to the hills and sort of run around? Because it's, it's right on a sort of crest, isn't it? And you can sort of jog around the top and, and keep fit up there. You can. I was actually hiking there today with my one of my best friends just this morning. So I do that often. <laughs> And, and what is it that it gives you, that, that ability of freedom, or is it just the, the fitness? You know, when you're up there and you're looking down over at L.A., it must, it must be 
it must be invigorating for so many different reasons but what does it actually give you well it is invigorating for so many different reasons first i i love to um combine friend time with hiking or walking along the beach or so whenever i can just because as you you were saying i do a lot of things and i have three kids so um in terms of multitasking i try to join up um friends with exercise whenever possible and and uh so this quality time i i just love that ability to go into the hills in nature with my friends catch up with them and the fact that i'm surrounded by this beautiful scenery just makes it that much better have you ever seen a mountain lion i have seen coyotes but i haven't seen a mountain lion because because you get those up there don't you They're sort of running around and we, yeah we do not um mountain lions are a little rare but we have a bunch of coyotes and i've seen deer and um all sorts of all sorts of fun things up there and a lot of ladies have had too much plastic surgery i bet you <laughs> not me <laughs> yeah i can see you're natural I <laughs> but i i'm very part of the well my son is an actor and he's actually in a movie that's just come out called earth to echo and he stars in that and so because he's 15 and that's his um that's his career and as a 15 year old parents need to be around all the time that has become our life a little bit so we are really in the hollywood thick of things a bit um through him so so who have you seen drop drop some names make it all glamorous <laughs> who, who have we seen well um at his a lot of people he's worked with uh, james franco um he's he's done a couple movies with him and he's uh we've also seen just at his premiere bradley cooper um i'm trying to think of in terms of people that we've had more than just we've just passingly seen but uh you know you, you see people in different roles all the time and it's sort of funny being at the gym and seeing somebody or at the grocery store and jane lynch is in front of you in line so there um there are a lot there are lots of lots of uh, celebrity sightings i guess more more than a coyote and a, and a, a mountain lion i imagine <laughs> um yeah i've seen more celebrities than coyotes <laughs> probably a good thing so so let's start getting into the nitty-gritty of this because as i was saying in the introduction your your life is really a a key you know it's key to the join up dots ethos really because you did spend so much of your um earlier life in a job that really didn't fulfill you now you're not alone so many people have done that i've done that as well but was it a path that was expected of you or was it a path that you took because it was a family path or, or was it just for the money? Why did you originally go into the litigator in the sort of legal role? You know, I was always um, a really good student going up and growing up I, and I would, I, I had this very set path. I wanted to, I wanted to be successful and I had a very narrow idea of what success was so in my family and in my worldview being successful meant being a doctor or a lawyer or an engineer or possibly a professor but it, that was that was pretty much the the gamut of what success could be and so I went to a good university and was trying to figure out, okay, what am I going to do? I actually started off on the medical medical path. I was going to be a doctor, and I didn't like my science classes that much. I became an arts. Um, I was an English major in communications, and I was doing debate, and I thought, okay, well, I'm an English major. I don't want to be an English professor. I guess I'll be a lawyer, um, and because that was that was the only option that, that felt like it was, it was uh, realistic for me. And I did very well on my LSAT and I got into a great law school. 
But as soon as I got into law school, I knew, I mean, there was a part of me that knew that this was not the right thing for me. I remember my first semester of school, I started having these horrible stomach pains. And I went to the the clinic at school and the doctor examined me and asked me some questions. And after a moment, he said, okay, well, sounds like you're suffering from law school. <laughs> and I said, what? He said, it's stress. You have something called uh, irritable bowel syndrome. It's, it's basically a stress that I could give you pills, but, or some drugs. But I, I think what you should focus on first is trying to be more relaxed and, and deal with the stress. So I started doing yoga and, uh, and that helped, but those, um, and, and that the stomach aches got better, but it was still there. But it, that was my body telling me, maybe you're not on the right path. So, so when, and, before that started, a bit that I, I want to jump in on, you kind mm-hmm. of knew that it wasn't the path as soon as you got there. It was, it was pretty early days. Yeah, it was a couple months in, but at this point, I don't you know, I'd, I'd invested a lot already mo- money-wise. Uh, law school in the States is not cheap. And and I had a lot of my I- identity invested in it. You know, I was going to it was one of the top law schools in the country, Columbia. And, you know, the, my family was proud of me. And I was also telling myself, okay, well, I don't love law school. But I'm sure I'll love being, you know, being a lawyer will be better. So I was able to convince myself, you know, this is just temporary. It's just three years. And then, you know, nobody likes law school. Law school is not supposed to be fun. And then I'll, but when I'm actually a lawyer, it'll be a lot better. So that's how I convinced myself to, to stay the course. Well, what was it more than a bit of parental pressure, i.e. you what? All of us want to make our parents proud, don't we? And all of us want to do things that the parents will look at and go, that's my daughter, she's a lawyer, she's doing great stuff. Was was there any of that kind of vibe going on with your mum and dad? You know what's funny? My my parents, especially my mom, was very disappointed that I didn't want to be a doctor. So that was being a lawyer was sort of my rebellious, my rebellious thing. <laughs> uh, there's a there are a lot of doctors in my family, and she had all of her, you know, my my uncles. A lot of them are doctors. She had all of my uncles calling me saying, "You can take my practice and I retire. You can," <laughs> but I don't like science. I don't really enjoy this the subject matter, uh, and they relented, but. So I, I wasn't necessarily getting pressure to be a lawyer, though there was always this um, unstated, uh, the unstated pressure that I would go get through university and grad school, and I would be professionally successful within that narrow window of what you know what that means. So, so, so what your mum was doing really, she was saying. There's an environment that I'm comfortable with because I've been around it for a long time. By you going off and going into a similar environment, ultimately I'm protecting you because I know it's all right already because so many people that I love and I care for have come out the other end and are doing very well for themselves. So it was a kind of protection thing that she wanted, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. And and I, I think also part of her said, I, I never actually saw you being a lawyer. I thought you'd be happier as a doctor. And perhaps I would have been, um, though I'm happiest right now doing what I do. Because I couldn't be a doctor. I couldn't be a doctor at all. Could you really sing all those horrible bits and bobs all the time? (laughs) Never want lunch. I'd I'd leave me lunch at home every day. (laughs) Yeah. I'm not sure. Did you have these programs on... Hmm? Sorry, do you have these programs on telly called Embarrassing Bodies where people have got something dreadfully wrong with them and they're so embarrassed that they go on telly to show it to a doctor live on air? Do you have these programs? Uh, I don't think so. It's possible we do, but I watch so little television that I wouldn't even know if we did. It, it's it's the, very likely we It's the one thing that would put you off being a doctor for life, honestly. These, <laughs> these people come up with these huge 
bulbous growths and things like that and they say why haven't you had anything done about this and they go oh i've been too embarrassed to go to the doctors you're on telly you're on telly showing it to everyone what are you doing you mad person and my wife is obsessed by these programs she loves seeing these horrible things shown all the time that's so funny Maybe she should be a doctor. <laughs> I reckon she'd love it. Yeah, she, she she's always got something wrong with her. I shouldn't say that, really. She she might listen to this. So, <laughs> so you've done your path, and you decided that it wasn't for you. The doctor has said to you, your stomach aches and your pain and all that kind of stress, but you still yeah. persevered. You you didn't sort of say, right, okay, I'm going to change direction at that point. What what made you carry on when, as you say, your body was already giving you the the signals that your path wasn't right? Well, um, first, the yoga actually did help. And I started doing a lot of yoga. And I was able to relax some. And I, I wasn't getting the stomach aches. And, um, and I, like I said, I convinced myself that this was just, this was a means to an end. And it, I wasn't going to be a law student the rest of my life. I was going to be a lawyer. And that would be different. So I was able to convince myself that you know this was just a temporary bit, and I could I could persevere through these three years and and on, you know and also I was meeting incredible people. My classmates were really interesting and fascinating, as were my professors, and I had some wonderful experiences as part of law school. I went and I did a semester, did six months in Japan. I was studying and I worked there and. I spent a summer in South Africa working for a public interest law firm. So I did do some really interesting things. So it wasn't all bad, but even though I, I definitely got a message, my intuition was telling me, this may not be your highest path, but I made the best of it. If you, if you went back in time now, would you do the same thing or would you just go, right, I'm getting out, I'm getting out as soon as possible? You know, I, I, this morning when I was hiking, I was hiking with one of my best friends from law school and I was, we were, I was telling her that I was going to be on your show and I was asking that myself that question. And I think that, no, I still, because I'm so happy with where I am now and I so cherish and honor the relationships that I made during that time. So, um, Four of my best friends in the whole world I met during that point. Um, I'm not sure I would. I'm not sure I would be where I am right now if I hadn't gone through that that time. So I, I don't think I would not do it. If I had a, you know, if I go in a new life and I have a new life, um, then yeah, I'll take a different path. But I don't during in this lifetime. I'm actually happy that I did it. It does give you contrast, doesn't it? And literally every yeah. person that's been on this show has said to me, when they decided to change direction, when they had their leap of faith, or when they hit, as we call it, the big dot, and they connect the dots and they get to the point where things had to change, they look, yes. look back on it and go, it was awful, it was a really bad time, but I'm really glad that I went through it, because without that... I wouldn't be where I am now or I wouldn't be the person I am now. And I, I certainly feel that. Yes, exactly. That's how I feel. I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to change anything because if I had zigged in a different direction, I might not have met my husband or um, you know, made the friends that I have or even gotten to this point where I am, which I'm really happy about. But I needed, I think I, I needed that struggle and I needed the stomach ache and I needed to see what was the wrong direction so I could find my right direction. Well, why do you think that is a, a human truth that we're all saying exactly the same thing? Because on one side, it seems a bit strange, doesn't it, that we actually say, no, I'm glad that it was a bad time. Why do you think as humans, when we look back on it, we actually savour those moments because we believe it's what makes us who we are? But it could be open to question whether it does. I think if you were, I think for people who are able to learn from those situations, then they will appreciate them. I think for people who can't learn from them, then maybe they don't. They wish they hadn't experienced something. But I think that there's something you can learn from everything that 
you you encounter uh, even even things that are painful initially so um and i think if if you're learning and you're growing from them then you'll 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 be able to cherish them and be grateful for them did you say that now because you have found your true path or is that really if you dig down do you think that was always in you that that inherent belief i think i've i've always been a an op, a very optimistic person and i've always tried to learn from everything that i encounter um and i really took to heart that if it doesn't kill you it makes you stronger and i was always looking for okay well how is this making me stronger how am i growing from this how am i learning from this so i've always had that bent though in time it's gotten even stronger is that something that you coach now to to your your students and your your clients yes very much so very much so and and how do you do that for, for the people out there listening to this conversation and they're in a pretty poor relationship or they're in a job they don't like and they hear us saying actually although it's bad it's going to be the making of you how do you actually express that to your clients so that they go yeah all right fair enough money i totally buy into that well i don't even explain it to them so much as i ask the question just you know if you this is happening what what are you able to learn from this how are you able to grow from this what is there in this that you can be grateful for i think a lot of times it's 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 the questions that we ask ourselves that are most important not to you know that it's it's the stories and you know every we all have you know there's a series of facts but it's the stories that we put around those facts that really dictate how we we view life so when you have an experience and you're and the story is about how you're a victim um how you were you know you're you're treated badly how you know how everything's against you if that's the story then you're going to have a really different opinion about what happens those facts and if your story is about you know i i created this i'm growing from this i'm i'm learning from this i'm using this as a stepping stone i'm able to to use this and leap from this there's no such really such thing as failure or or wrong path they're just it's it's just feedback and so if you can shift so i i help my clients shift their stories around what's happening i i and i do that through asking them different questions questions that they might not be asking themselves instead of a question they might be asking themselves a question why me why is everyone against me why is you know why is my life not working um those are you're going to have very different answers and very different results with those questions versus these other more empowering questions because a lot of people like the negative stories, don't they? They're the juicy ones. They're the ones that keep them in victim mode. And they're the ones that, at the coffee machine in the office, they're moaning and groaning about the situation that they're in because they can, they can express it to an audience who's listening to their misery. Did you find that as a common truth as well, that it's the, the negative stuff, which is the juicy stuff, and people that come in and go, my life is great, everything's wonderful, I'm finding my true path for many times it's not what the other people really want to hear well i think i mean i i i have a bunch of um friends and when we get together we instead of complaining our we have we celebrate um or we you know we call it we brag <laughs> we just talk about what's going well and for me and for us, that is really juicy and that is really exciting. And even within the things that might not be going as well um, or, you know, what might be easy to complain about, we find what's juicy and what's wonderful and what's, you know, what is to celebrate about it. But I know that there are a lot of people who take the opposite tack and they think, oh, it's so much more, um, they, you know, either everyone around them does it and they want to fit in so they complain um or they they look for what's bad because they get sympathy 
um, they get attention. I mean, you, you the, there's always a payoff for, for people um, about why, you know, whatever they're doing, ultimately people do what they want to do because in some way it makes them feel better. So they think they'll feel better if they have other people's sympathy or if they're fitting in. Um, and so I, I like to show my clients in a different way. You know, maybe, maybe you'll feel better if you can celebrate you get or if what's happening and you're celebrating that with the people around you. You get them to celebrate what's going on with them and having a different a different way of being. And, they, and that and then most people I find have a higher payoff doing that. Because it is so true. And what you're saying there, you've surrounded yourself with like minded individuals, haven't you? You've surrounded yourself with a peer group that have similar, I suppose, dreams, aspiration and outlook. And for people who are out there who are in a negative situation, they really need to look at the people that they are surrounded. It's the old Jim Rohn thing that they talk about all the time. You're the average of the five people that you surround yourself with. And it is absolutely true, isn't it? Yes. I... um I tell my clients and I, you know, especially once or when I'm speaking, I'll often talk about, you know, your, your dream team. If you're, there's a dream that you want to move towards, then you want to surround yourself with, I call them dream team. So that could, that consists of cheerleaders. So those are people that are cheering you on, that tell you, you can do it. Uh, you you want to, have as many you know all the people around you ideally are your cheerleaders you want to have um confidants those are people that you can talk to who you can talk to about the rough times and they can say yeah i've been there i understand and so you can talk you know be really authentic with them you you need way showers people who are living what you want to live people who can demonstrate to you um, what, you know, how the path to get to where you, you want to go or whatever that, that means to you. And you want connectors, people who can connect you to opportunities and different experiences that will help you along your dream path. So you want all of those types of people in your, in your life and you want to minimize the naysayers, the people who are negative, um, the people who who are telling you to quote unquote be realistic um you you know don't do that you can't do that and people who mean well i think they mean well they want the best for you but they are but ultimately it's not in your best and highest to have people who are naysaying your dreams um so you know that's what i i recommend to people to have that you know have more of the cheerleaders and connectors and way showers and confidants and spend as little time as possible talking with your naysayers because i'm literally surrounded by thousands now of positive like-minded individuals doing this job and connecting with people across the globe my my outlook was always very positive anyway but now i just cannot imagine not achieving amazing things it's almost like it's destined (laughs) to happen because i'm just every conversation i have it's with somebody that has got off their backside and they have done something amazing and if you have that much of a connection to these people it's going to start rubbing off on you isn't it absolutely yeah you want to be with people who are playing big games a bigger game uh i, I think it's um uh i heard the saying that you know if you if you're the smartest most successful person in your tribe you need a new tribe i mean you don't want to be you want to be with people who are inspiring you to to bigger and better things people who are supporting you um as much as possible and i feel incredibly grateful that i'm surrounded by people like that too i really you know i really can't think of anyone who's in my life that is a naysayer that's a complainer that's a whiner i don't i don't have them in my life anymore i just have people who are really excited about what they're doing and where they're going and and positive it's a good place to be it really is but when, when you when you was back in sort of litigator mode there must have been a lot of those naysayers there must be people that were sort of anchoring you due to their 
lack of dreaming, I suppose, or their, their, their love of reality. And I imagine in the sort of law world, it is all based on reality, isn't it? Because you, you, you can't really be a dreamer in that environment, or can you? Uh, it's very challenging, <laughs> especially in the big law firms like I worked in. And there were a, there was, you know, just to tell you a little bit about my story, I had, you know, I, I got through law school and I ended up working in this big law firm and those stomach aches came back and but I was too busy to to do anything about them and eventually my I, I had an appendicitis and my appendix ruptured and I ended up in the hospital um, and when I was admitted to the hospital the, the doctor told me that I'd be there a few days I ended up being in the hospital for nine days and he told me I'd have at least 30 days at home afterwards to recover I remember it was a Tuesday morning, and my first thought was, oh, thank God, I don't have to go to work. Uh, he might as well have told me that I won a vacation because I was <laughs> <laughs> felt so much relief from not having to go into the office. That's how miserable I was that this excruciating, life-threatening illness was better than being at work. And what's really sad is that some of my coworkers came to visit me and they were jealous and we started joking about you know what organs they might be able to get rid of <laughs> so that they could have time off of work too it's like do you need a gallbladder i don't know let's get you know, maybe you, you should get them on that embarrassing bodies program and, and then <laughs> whip out disgusting stuff all the time <laughs> but there, there wasn't anything wrong with them but they were jealous that i got to have this break um and they didn't and I, uh, you know, other friends. I had another friend who was a, a lawyer. She told me that she would drive to work, wishing to get into an accident just bad enough, so that she would never have to work again. But not so bad, you know, that it would kill her, or she, you know, she'd be incapacitated. It, it was kind of sick how um, how miserable we were, but also how stuck we felt that. You know, we we were thinking, oh gosh, you have to get into an accident or lose, um, you know, have a life-threatening illness, um, lose some body parts so that you can get a break from this. And that was the biggest aha for me when I when I realized that I was happier in the hospital than at work. I realized that this was not sustainable. Um, so, so what so, did you do? What did you do when you when you had that realization? Well, a few things because you know I I, did, I I really didn't know what to do because I was doing what everyone had told me my whole life would make me successful and happy. You now I had gone to college and law school, and um, I was in the biggest law firm in the. State, I was you know very prestigious, making six figures. I should have been, you know, deliriously happy, and I was so miserable. But I, you know, and I, I really didn't know what else, what else to do. And a few things came into my life at that time, literally were handed to me in the hospital that changed my life. Um, one was I received the book The Artist Way by julia cameron have you heard of that book david i haven't read it but i've heard about it from about six people in about the last two weeks funnily enough okay well that's a sign that you're meant to get it <laughs> you, the universe keeps telling you something pay attention uh but I, I somebody handed me that book and i had 30 days at home where i didn't have to work and i had a lot of free time so i started working on it it's a bit like a it's it's basically a 12-step program for artistic recovery um, so it's spiritual and you work on it over 12 weeks and I started doing it because, um, what else was I supposed to do? And, and it, and it called to me. So I started doing it and I realized that a, I was, uh, that I had some creativity. I never thought of myself as being at all creative. Um, and I, but, but beyond that, it helped me think in really different ways. And before I knew it, I got, I got an offer to go to Argentina for a year as a visiting scholar. At first, 
the offer came in and I said, oh no, I can't do that, leave law and, um, you know, I'm on this path. And I thought about it overnight. I go, what am I thinking? <laughs> I was like, I hate this path. <laughs> so the next day I called, I said, yeah, so yeah, I'll do it. And I got my ticket and I spent a year there and I started tango dancing and painting and uh, teaching yoga, doing all of this, you know, wonderful stuff, singing in a jazz band and doing my legal legal research and and um and I and I came back and I tried different paths um in the law to see you know maybe it was maybe that job wasn't it but maybe a different job and I tried a few different things and I tried mediation which I liked better but I still it still wasn't the right thing for me and eventually I came to life coaching, which, you know, it's like, a, you know, the skies opened up and it's like, ah, this is it. This it, is, it was the epiphany, it was, was it? it? It really was. And what's funny is when I was 18, I remember reading this book. I don't even remember what the, the name of it was. It was one, a book that my dad had, and it was a book about the brain. Um, and I don't, I don't remember the author or the, the title that I remember one of the chapters which had which wasn't really about the brain but it was about this author's theory basically he said you know eight um because about 10 to 15 percent of the population is insane you know they have something wrong with their brain they're schizophrenic and they're they're the, you know there's some brain chemistry reason why they can't live a really um filling life in every way and then he said about 10 to 15 percent of the, maybe 10 percent of the population is sane so they're they're ones that in every way are living lives that they love um you know they have wonderful relationships and jobs that they or careers that fuel them they feel like they're part of the the, they feel like they're making a difference in the world, even though it's not that they have zero problems, but, you know, they really are, they really, really enjoy their lives in every way, because these people are sane. And then he said there's 70% of the population, 70 to 80% of the population, that's unsane. He said the unsane, so there's no, there's no physical reason why they shouldn't be as happy as the people who are sane, but they, for whatever reason, they allow themselves to be in unhappy relationships or or jobs that are toxic you know jobs that feel toxic and he's and he said those those people are insane you know they they're they could get out of it but for whatever reason they don't and i remember reading that when i was 18 and thinking oh wow first of all i want to be sane i don't want to be unsane and I would love to work and help the unsane become sane. I didn't realize that was a job then, you know, when I was 18. And then I also went through plenty of years being unsane, or yeah, unsane myself. <laughs> I had unsane jobs, I had unsane relationships. But I was always go, I was always trying to be sane. And, you know, which for me is, you know, sane seems so, um, such a little wor word feels very mundane but it's powerful you know, though isn't it it's yeah but living this life that's in every way is uh, you know makes you happy and you know eventually i got there and then i found out about life coaching and i realized oh my gosh this is a job where i get to help the unsane become sane this was this was it well, I, I have, I'm going to stop you there because I have got so many questions that I, all the time I was thinking, oh, I need to say something, I need to say something. Um, first of all, I want to play this little speech. It's not the Steve Jobs one that we normally do. This is something else. And yeah. I don't know if you've heard this, but this is mm -hmm. the, the great Jim Carrey. And Jim Carrey said this recently on um, for a commencement for university. And uh, I just want to play this because this is amazingly powerful and i think it says exactly what you're saying about the sane and the unsane this is jim carrey my father could have been a great comedian but he didn't believe that that was possible for him and so he made a conservative choice instead he got a safe job as an accountant and when i was 12 years old he was let go from that safe job and our family had to do whatever we could to survive 
I learned many great lessons from my father, not the least of which was that you can fail at what you don't want. So you might as well take a chance on doing what you love. That says it all, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And we, we do. We only have one life. And so it's total madness. And, you know, I'm not preaching to the converted. You know, I've only just found this path myself. And for years and years and years, people would say to me, you know, what do you want to do for a living? I didn't know. I could list loads of things that I didn't want to do because I've done, done them and I didn't like them. But actually, my true path, the true thing that lit me up inside was always bubbling under the surface, but I didn't have an avenue to sort of blast it out. It was very small scale, and now I'm, I've got the ability to blast it out to the world, and it is so empowering. And the thing that's come out of it, Monique, and the thing that I just want to touch on before we play Steve Jobs is the tagline to the show is connecting our past to build our future. And one of the things that has come out time and time and time again is that if we look what we're doing now the thing that we love doing the thing that lights us up the things that we say are unique to ourselves they are our path if we go right back to when we were five-year-olds or very small children pretty much the things that lit us up then were exactly the same thing so i bet when you was a little girl you loved caring for people or making people happy or all the kind of things that you're doing now and somewhere along the line you forgot it and you went off into a career because it was an expected route it was the responsibility but i'm finding it out all the time now that where we get that phrase find your passion we actually all know our passion but we've just forgotten it yes or we don't trust that it will support us that's true as well, because you kind of think, well, I, I used to play at doing that. How can I build yeah. a career around that? But there's so right. many, once again, avenues. You've got the online, which is so powerful, where you can have that tiny little idea and blast it across the globe and suddenly make a living for yourself because you're just touching a market which is bigger than you can possibly um, perceive. I, I was speaking to a lady the other day and she's on episode 62, I might be wrong on that, but um, she, Liz Cortez, and she was a, a gym um, instructor and she suddenly realised that she was a great gym instructor but a bad businesswoman. So she didn't want to run the business but she liked doing the gym side. And so she found a way of actually doing that, taking a lot of the hassles away and by recording herself doing her classes on, on online, she once again blasted it to clients in every corner of the world. And she absolutely loves it. But she found a situation that she thought I'd be good at, didn't quite work for her, but she morphed it into something else. And then bang, it's powerful. Mm, yeah. It's good, isn't it, when it all comes together? It is. It takes a while sometimes. <laughs> but oh, it, it, does. it does it's, it's so beautiful but, but it's, it's there it's, for everyone isn't it? it it might take a while absolutely. but you've got to become aware first of all you've got to start looking around and you've got to start saying no my situation is not making me happy i'm going to do something about it and once you start to take that responsibility and start to create your own environment then you've got more than a half chance i think you've got a, a very good chance to have the life you want because once you get that round you once you get that peer group once you get that positivity once you get that focus i honestly don't think it's that hard i think it's the it, it's because we're so stuck in a situation we're so s surrounded by kind of career mud it's just too much yeah. effort to get ourselves going but once you actually pull yourself out of mud you actually can run around quite easily it's the getting yourself out which is the hard bit yeah it's the getting unstuck and that's you know that's mostly what i i work on with my clients just helping them get out of their own way because that's i think that's Really, it's ourselves that are in the way and our beliefs and our, you know, our limiting beliefs about, you know, what we can do to be successful and what it means to be happy and, and how we can get there. Um, or that, you know, or, or leaving something that's comfortable or not even that comfortable, but it, at least, it, you know, it's the, the devil they know. And... And so, you know, that's a lot of what I, I do with my clients is help them get unstuck and help them moving towards 
where they're meant to be, where they feel like they're thriving. I'm going to bring on Steve Jobs now because I think it's a perfect segue to this. It's about having faith in yourself, trusting yourself and trying different things. And maybe it won't work first of all, but when you look back and you join up the dots, you can see your path. So this is Steve Jobs and we're going to just talk about it afterwards. Of course, it was impossible to connect the dots looking forward when I was in college, but it was very, very clear looking backwards 10 years later. Again, you can't connect the dots looking forward. You can only connect them looking backwards. So you have to trust that the dots will somehow connect in your future. You have to trust in something, your gut, destiny, life, karma, whatever, because believing that the dots will connect down the road will give you the confidence to follow your heart even when it leads you off the well-worn path, and that will make all the difference. Is following your heart a good thing, or is it actually a bad thing? Or where, where, where is the true path found? Is it within the heart or in the head? Oh, absolutely within your heart, your intuition. I am such a big proponent of helping people connect to their intuitive guidance. You know, I, our, our society seems to really... Um, value and above all our rational logical minds but our intuition is connected to so much more than that you know it's connected to you know, on a on a conscious surface basis we 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 might get five percent of all of the various um, stimuli that our brain receives you know consciously Right now, whoever is listening might be hearing our voice um, and paying attention to that. But on a, you know, on a different level, their brain is picking up background noise, traffic going by, conversations that are being heard, um, conversations that are being had in um, different parts of the the their office or their home. There, there's. Um, you know, temperature changes. Your brain is picking up all of that, and all of that becomes part of your intuitive guidance, um, as well as something much more. I think your intuition is connected to a universal flow, and this intuition, which you can people will think of it in terms of their heart or their gut, um, or their you know they're just uh, this knowing or um, you know that little still small voice. I think it'll always guide you in the right direction. For me, it's like a life GPS. You know, just if you follow that, you you won't necessarily know where you're going. You know, like like Steve Jobs says, you you can't, you won't know where the dots are leading you. But I I feel like if you follow your intuition, you'll never regret it. And the only decisions I've ever made are when I've ignored that intuitive guidance. I, I've done the same. When I've been offered ka-ching, ka-ching, money, 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 um, yeah. I have been more unhappy than I've ever been. And for a long time, I was thinking, why did I take this job? I know it's paying me a lot of money, but I hate it. You know, terrible, terrible times. And when yeah. I've gone with the thing that has scared me most, it's the thing that I look back on it and go, wow, I'm so glad I did that. Yes, it was scary, but God it was exciting or whatever very much like this and i've said the same thing numerous times when i started this um i i was terrified and even when i launched and i was about 10 shows into it i still thought i'm not i'm going to give this up it's not never going to work and all those kind of limiting thoughts came into your head but you just push through that that fear and that courage and as you say it is your it's your body's gps it's the scary bit that is allowing you to grow and unless you go for the scary bit you, you get you're, you're stuck again aren't you yeah yeah sometimes it's scary sometimes it's just there this voice this um you know it's just tell it's just telling you to move in this direction um and that, yeah but it can be scary to pay attention to it and not what everyone else tells you is the right thing to do not what society is telling you is the right thing to do and following you know that crazy path that your intuition sometimes sends you on it can be terrifying but you never regret it did you really tr truly believe that you never regret it i truly believe that 
that if you if you're following your intuitive guidance i think you'll never regret it i think and i i like i said the only the only decisions i've made that that i've regretted are decisions where my intuition was telling me no and i went anyway those are the only things i've ever regretted i've never regretted following my intuition it is it's amazing right. isn't it it's it's in us it's in us we we all need to just pay more attention to what what our bodies are saying yes yeah well just, our just wise, our bodies. absolutely just before the end of the show um i've got uh, one question i want to ask you before i put you on the sermon on the mic and we send you back yeah. in time to have a have a chat with your younger self but on your day-to-day life at the moment as we said in the introduction you've got so much on your plate but what is the yeah. thing that you actually go yes that that's actually my my core essence my core essence mm. i think well there's it's learning and teaching i you know there there are certain things um and and creating being creative I, like i said i didn't feel i was creative and then i i got this artist way and i discovered there's an artist in me and um and a designer so that that makes me go yes um and then i'm always wanting to learn more and i and i'm all and i love teaching what i learn i love you know which helps me learn even better but i you know there's this i get into this place this zone um the coaching and i i feel this this joy that permeates my whole body and um I love it. Those are those are the, the biggest yeses for me in my life right now, as well as the love of my family. It's a pretty good place to be, Monique, at the moment, I imagine. Oh, my gosh. I'm, you know, <laughs> when I look back on where I was, you know, if, I, if you had to ask me on a scale of 1 to 10 how I felt when I was in that hospital bed, um, in terms of where my life was, I, I would have probably been at a two, maybe a negative one. I was pretty low, and um, and now I feel like I live a ten plus, and I'm so grateful. I feel I feel like my life is hundred percent sane, in in that in that way. I'm incredibly grateful. And and was that your big dot, the appendicitis? Was that that, that the changing part of your life? It it was a it was a it was a main one, yeah. I mean that being in that hospital bed was it was a low point, but it was also it's kind of like the low point, and you know when you're jumping on a trampoline, and then that just helped me jump off from there, and it, it really helped me see that you know what society had said would make me happy and be successful wasn't the answer for me and that allowed me the freedom to find my own answer and i think that was that was really where um what you know the the starting point of for being able to ask the the right questions and look for the right things well, I, I love the fact that you found your path. I think it's inspiring for so many people out there trying to find their own as well. And I know there's somebody that is looking for their path, and that's the young Monique. So let's send you back in time um, on the sermon and the mic to have a one-on-one with your younger self. And if you did meet her, what age would you choose? Would it be the five-year-old? Would it be the one in university, the one going through law school? So this is the sermon on the mic. With the best bit of the show The sermon on the mic The sermon on the mic Hello, young Monique. Um, I'm so happy to be able to talk to you. Now, as you look forward in your life, you're... 20 years old right now I want to tell you first of all keep going you're gonna have the funnest ride there'll be down there'll be down times for sure but you're also going to have so much fun 
and always do the thing that's fun. I, you know, at this point, you're deciding that you're going to do the things that scare you. And so you will go to South Africa and Japan and France and backpacking through Southeast Asia. And you will go and you'll live in different places and you'll do these things because they scare you. And I want to tell you that, yes, do that. Do everything that scares you. And remember, the only thing to fear is fear itself. So when you're, you're deciding, do I skydive? Do I bungee jump? Do I go on that crazy adventure? The answer is yes, do it. And while you're doing it, I want to give you some other advice. To always be really authentic. Be yourself. When you're in relationships, um, there'll be a time where you feel like you might have to follow some sort of rules or try to be somebody you're not to make some guys like you. I want you to remember that you only really need the guys to like you that will like you exactly as you are. That's the only way it's going to feel really fun and really great and really juicy. And that's how you're going to find your soulmate who you do find. So remember to be exactly who you are. Feel, Allow yourself to feel how you feel. Allow yourself to be open, to be honest, to be loving, to be, to, you know, to just share exactly who and what you are fully. And that is going to help you in love. It's going to help you in attracting clients and business and finding the right opportunities when you are completely true to who you are and how you feel and what feels right and what feels um, the best for you. You're going to go on a path that is going to look really different from the path of the people around you. You're going to be guided by angels. They're going to speak to you. And you're going to share their word with others. And that's going to be one of the most beautiful. Um, that's going to be one of the most beautiful, wonderful parts of your life. So be open to them. And lastly, I want to give you some advice about money. You can be a mess with money. <laughs> you don't like to deal with it very much. But your money needs to be dealt with. And it's actually a really wonderful thing when you're dealing with money. I know you have a fear about money. And you think that dealing with money is very stressful. Because that's how our parents were. But when you learn to give money loving attention. And you just pay attention to it regularly. You pay attention to how much you're spending. And what comes in. And what goes out. And you start saving and investing it's going to be really wonderful for you and that's going to be that's going to help with the, the missing piece you know that it's always there when you need it but i want to give you advice on to how to to grow it and how to have a really wonderful relationship with money monique i'm going to play that to my daughters and my wife i think if anyone needs that bit of advice it's going to be my lot because Hey, I, I think I think all women need that. Um, how can people who have been listening in um, connect with you? Um, a wonderful way to connect with me is on Facebook. I, also, I have a, a website, lifealchemyschool.com, but I'm on Facebook, Life Alchemy School. And that's a, a great way to, um, to connect with me as well. And you can email me at life alchemy school all one word at gmail.com and i'd love to to hear from you well i'm sure you're going to get loads of people dropping you a line because you've been an absolute inspiration and you've been so open and generous and from the bottom of my heart thank you so much for spending time with us today joining up those dots of your life and please come back again when you have more dots to join up because i really do <laughs> believe that by joining up the dots and connecting our pasts is the best way to build our futures monique thank you so much Thank you so much, David. David doesn't want you to become a faded version of the brilliant self you were once to become. So he's...
Thanks for listening to today's episode of Join Up Dots, brought to you exclusively by podcastersmastery.com, the only resource that shows you how to create a show, build an income, and still have time for the life that you love. Check out podcastersmastery.com now. David doesn't want you to become a faded version of the brilliant self you were once to become. So he's put together an amazing guide for you called the eight pieces of advice that every successful entrepreneur practices, including the two that changed his life. Head over to joinupdots.com to download this amazing guide for free. And we'll see you tomorrow on Join Up Dots.